Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Open your Bibles, and won't you stand with me? I got to get right into this. Acts 15. We are going on a journey through the book of Acts. How many's enjoying this so far? Your the series on the journey of Acts. Amen. Ten of you. Okay. No, I know. Amen. Uh, you got your Bibles. I know. And so uh, I think we need to learn what the Bible says. Uh, so I've never done a series this long, and I'm, I'm prepared to go into a different way, but God keeps just pricking my heart. Something awesome just keeps coming up, and so we keep preaching. And we were looking at how the early church not only survived, but thrived in a va- very pagan society. And we're watching how they did it, because I believe we live in the same kind of days and, uh, as they did. So we're looking from uh, that. So uh, chapter 15, let's just read verse 23, and then I'll explain what we're reading. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, that's the Antioch church, Syria and Sicily, these are Gentile nations, these are not Jews, these are people of different ethnicities, and so they're getting saved and they're coming into the church, and they want to know how to live as a Christian. So they wrote this letter to them. Greetings. Since we have heard that some of you went, some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your souls, saying that you must be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. He's talking about the Old Testament stuff. To whom we gave no such commandment. We didn't say that. You didn't have to do that to be a Christian. It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Look at Paul, former terrorist. Now he's one of the first missionaries of the church. Look at God. See what God can do. And men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas. It's just a name. It's not the the guy that betrayed Christ. (laughs) And Silas who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good, very important scripture, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. These are necessary things, but I must give you a little caveat here. These are not necessarily, all of them, necessary for salvation. They are necessary for our growth in our salvation. Very important that I make that. Uh, Some of them, but uh, I'll I'll explain that here today. Verse 29, that you abstain from things offered to idols, abstain from blood. Say, what? Some of you that may not be familiar with the scripture, like, what in the world? you got to tell people not to drink blood. What kind of, yeah, I'll explain that. From things strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourself from these things, one translation says, you will have a better life. Let me say this before I go any further. Everything I share with you today, you want to get this into your DNA. It's already there. Let me awaken it. God's way is always better. Anything he tells us to do, you got to trust him. It may not seem better, may not seem right, may not seem funner, don't seem popular, but trust me. God's way is better. Get that settled in your spirit today. Amen? 
Okay, they received the word and they had a little celebration. Prophets begin to speak in verse 32 and they rejoiced and, ex and were excited. I'm going to spend two weeks on a little mini-series entitled Living Godly in an Ungodly World. I want to talk about that today. Father, thank you for your word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto you, O Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So what's going on here? If you keep your Bibles open, I'll give a little bit as we get going. These guys, Paul and Barnabas, are on a missions trip. They're going all over the place preaching about Jesus. People are getting saved. And then Paul and Barnabas says, you know what? God has this idea of having a church. I know other people don't like churches. Other people think they, can, they, they don't like whatever reason is there. But Jesus gave his life for the church. It's his idea. It's his, we are his bride. And so Paul said, once you get saved, I need to hook you up with the good church so you can be mentored, you can grow, you can worship, you can also be with people who don't look like you, talk like you, or act like you. That's really how we grow. Come on, somebody. You can't have comfortability and growth at the same time. So the, the, the last time you were uncomfortable, I will tell you that's the last time you were growing. That's how we grow. It's God's idea. It's the best way. It stretches us. There's a lot of blessings as well that comes through being a part of a church. The community of faith. We encourage one another. How many has already felt encouraged by just coming to church today? By hearing that prophetic word, listening to the worship and the prayer and right now the reading of the word. There is a blessing in that whenever we come together. That's why the enemy would try to get you not to come together. That's why the enemy tries everything to stop us. So anyway, but they had this problem because many of them were not from a Jewish background. They didn't have a Christian upbringing. They had no idea how to live as a Christian. So they begin to ask Peter this. They must be circumcised. They must follow the law. Peter in, chap in chapter 15 stands up and says in verse uh, 8, God who knows the heart, verse 9, says he purifies our hearts by faith. Look at that. He purifies our hearts by faith. By the moment you have faith in Jesus Christ and make him Lord of your life, you are cleansed, you are set free. And then he says in verse 11, By, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus that we shall be saved. So they go, okay, so now that we're saved, but we still need to understand how do we live our lives. And so they formed this document to kind of help give instruction because there is another kind, there, there is a life that we are to live. You cannot change your belief without changing your behavior. I'm going there today, so you guys have to wake up or something. Come on, somebody. Amen. You have to help me preach this message today. You cannot add Christ without subtracting sin. Because Jesus said, I came to take away the sin of the world. He come to take it away. So why do we need to hold on to it? No, no, no. We need to take it away. You can't have revival without repentance. However you want to say it, there is a lifestyle that we need to learn to live as Christians. If, we're, if our faith, I say it like this, if your faith hasn't changed you, then we may not have saving faith. Because faith without works is, y'all know what I'm talking about. It's got to have something that's alive and something should change. And it's a slow change, but it's a change that happens within us, okay? So they begin to say, how do we, how do we live as Christians? So they form this document. And in this document are, are three categories that we're going to talk about. 
uh, and explore this week and next week. You have biblical absolutes, that's today. You have cultural traditions and then personal convictions. These are the three ways that every believer are to live our lives in 2021. You have biblical absolutes. That's for all people, all places, all time. It doesn't matter your ethnicity, your age, how you were brought up, where you live, what continent in the world do you live. When God said this is truth, we got to say, okay, I'm walking. Them are absolute truths. And it's so hard to know what truth is today, right? I mean, I watched this documentary, Social uh, Dilemma. If you guys ever watched that, check it out. It's a mind-blowing of what's happening through social media. And it's not hating on social media. It's just bringing uh, awareness to some of the problems that we have uh, got in our culture today and in our society due to social media. For instance, one of them is the guy said it that it was like the president of Twitter or Pinterest or one of them. They had all of them on there. And they, they don't work for any of those companies anymore because of the damage it has done to so many, especially younger people. And it's just constantly having to be stimulated. And so you can't even have a conversation because you get bored so quickly and it's just constantly this. And another, but another big one was is that people are losing the ability to recognize truth. When he said that, I was like, wow, truth. You notice that you can't know, you don't know what the truth is about anything, Harley, today. About COVID. You don't even know what the truth is. We all know that. You Harley can well, who do you trust? Everyone is saying something different. We know that. And I'm telling you, that's an attack from the enemy that is trying to get us to not being able to recognize truth. Because if we don't know the truth, how are you going to be set free when the Bible says the only thing that can set you free is the truth? So if I was the enemy, I would try to get you so confused you don't know the truth. Why? So I can keep you in bondage, keep you fighting with one another, keeping you jealous with one another, putting people down, talking about this ministry, talking about that pastor, that leader, that brother, that sister, talking about everything except for how do you get saved. Talk more about politics than we do about the spiritual life and being born again. That, that's shame on us. That's okay. Talk politics. We need politics. We need good, healthy politics, but we're out of balance when we talk more about those kind of things to people that are lost and blind and in bondage because we're called to be what? The light and the salt of the earth. Oh, I'm preaching good and I don't even have my Adidas on. How about that? Biblical absolutes, that's today. What is the biblical absolute? I gave it to you. It's for all people, all times, all places. It's God's truth. Now, what's amazing to me in this scripture is they could have used... The Ten Commandments, they're absolute. He could have said, make sure they don't lie. Because lying is a problem. Don't you hate being lied to? And, uh, man, I used to be a habitual liar. I was so good. My wife is, don't aim at me too much now, hon. <laughs> my, my wife's like, yes, she was. I could lie my way. I, could, I mean, I had the judge believing I was two different people. I was in probation under two names in the city of Ecorus, going in front of the same probation officer. Okay, that's just where I come from. I'm just being real today. I was good at lying because you got to leave a little truth in a good lie. You got to leave a little truth in a good lie. I mean, and, but the thing about lying, you got to keep on lying, and we, we know about that. And they should have said, make sure they don't lie because lying hurts people. It's wrong. It's dishonest. It, it chips away at trust, Right? On and on and on, but they didn't. They said sexual immorality. That's an absolute in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Why in the world would they talk about sexual immorality? Because sexual immorality, sexuality by itself, it's a unique behavior than all other behaviors that we participate in. 
It has long-lasting and far-reaching effects that will be with you for the rest of your life. It affects you mentally, spiritually, and physically. I'll show you this. In fact, the scripture has this awesome uh, scripture, 1 Corinthians 6. Paul later talked about this, and he says, flee, that means run. That's the same word that God told the angels to give to Sodom and Gomorrah, to Lot, flee, run out of this city. It means to run. Don't ask questions. Get. He says, flee sexual immorality, because watch this. Every sin that a man does or woman is outside of the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Look at that. He said, this is different from all the other sins. This sin, you sin against your own body. What does he mean by that? That I love this. Or don't you know that, you, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you? Whom you have from God and you do not belong to yourself. Uh-oh. This is my body. I can do what I want to. I can do what I want to. And when you become a Christian, no, really not. You give it to God. You need to ask God about them things. Your body now was the temple of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say truth. That's all I'm giving you. Don't shoot me. I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what it says. There's some freedom, though, in what I'm telling you. If we will receive it. Again, I like being in control. That's our problem. How's your life going so far when you're running the show? Let's try making God... Jesus, take the wheel. Okay, sorry for that. I mean, just came out of nowhere. Holy, no, but the Holy Spirit who is in you, your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Watch this. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You write this down. This is not point number one, but it's point number, I don't know how many I'm on already. You control your own sexuality. That's a truth bomb right there because everything on YouTube says no. So I went to Facebook because I wanted to know the facts. And um, <laughs> says no one ever. <laughs> and then you hear this. You do whatever you feel. Do you know what the number one, you know the ten, how many know the Ten Commandments? You know of the Ten Commandments with Charleston Heston, the Ten Commandments on the mountain? Okay. Do you know in the Satanic Bible there's only one commandment in the Satanic Bible that was written by the most famous atheist ever? This is the commandment. Do what thy will. Isn't that amazing how it's total reverse? So which commandment am I following? And like Romans chapter 7, Paul said the struggle is real. Sometimes I want to do right, but sometimes I want to do my own thing. And there's the tension. Well, I'm telling you today, God can set us free from that today. He's already given you his Holy Spirit. You are in control. You need to learn to control and glory. He said, he, he didn't say, wait till I set you free, or, or no, he didn't say, I didn't, I'll wait till I glorify God in your body. No, he says, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You choose. You now have control over your emotions. You got control over your sexuality now. Then, then, therefore, you glorify God with your sexuality in your body. Now, I could go three hours and tell you about the feelings, and the feelings are real. I know I've talked with people that are in same-sex situations, bisexual situations, and the feelings are real. There is a difference, though, between attractions and actions. And I'm telling you that when you have attractions even that don't line up, you can be a heterosexual. I'm a heterosexual man from head to toe. I'm just telling you. Right? So, but... I also have attractions that are not biblical in the Bible. I am committed to one woman, and she's sitting right there on the front row. I got three of them. This one's mine. Amen? Amen. 
Wow. So does that mean I never have a desire again for any other woman? No, it's there. It's there whenever I allow that flesh to rise up. But now I have the helper who lives inside of me that gives me the power to say, sit down. She's got the dibs on the pastor. I think she even got a shirt that says that, right? I, I got to tell my flesh that. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is a helper. He doesn't do that for me. Back in the day... When I was a teenager and I was dating Melinda, okay, I would go over to her house. I had this little Mustang. It was my little, my little baby. And I had it decked out. It was sweet. Okay, it was really cool. And I remember I wasn't very mechanically inclined. But my father-in-law, he's one of these guys that are jack of trades. This guy can do anything. He can build a house. I mean, he, he did build a house. So I would take it over to see my girlfriend, and I, would talk, and I would talk about getting my car fixed. He says, you don't be paying nobody to do your, your brakes. You need to do your brakes. And I'm like, what do you mean? I ain't doing no brakes. I can push the pedal. He said, come over. I'm going to help you do it. I was like, cool. So I come over that Saturday. Now, you got to imagine, I had long blonde hair. <laughs> By faith, it's there. Come on, somebody. Man, I had on my, my outfits, my little polka dotted with my gold chain. I had on some Dracar, Dracar, or some polo cologne. Am I going way back for some of y'all? And, and um, I mean, I come over to see my honey, and while I'm over there, her, my father-in-law said, um, Eddie, you're going to change the brakes in that outfit? And I'm like, what do you mean I'm changing the brakes? You said you was going to help me. He would say, come on. We'd go outside. He would pull up a milk carton, sit down, and he goes, okay, jack it up, take tire off. Next thing you know, 20 minutes into it, my shirt is off. I got a thing called a caliper in my hand. I got something called a brake pad in my hand. It springs everywhere. I got grease all the way up. He's sitting there smoking a cigarette. You're doing good, Eddie. Come on. Why? One time he said, don't look at me like that. I didn't say I was going to change your brakes for you. I told you I was going to help you change your brakes. Can I tell you today at River of Life that the Holy Spirit ain't going to make you live right? He's going to help you. He's going to help you. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying today. He's going to help you change your brakes. He's going to help you not go to that club, not go to that house, not let them in your DM. He's going to help you block them on faith. you got to block them. You can't wait till you're in the back seat of a Mustang behind a building somewhere listen to some, some somebody. Talking about, oh, this, deliver me, oh God. You got Barry White just jamming through them speakers, talking about, God, please help me. And he's saying, come on, come on. I mean, it ain't going to work. You should have heard him on when he told you when you planned that night not to do that. He's the helper. Oh, I got to go, but that's good. That's for somebody. He will help you. He will help you. He ain't going to do it for you. He will not stop you from sinning, but he'll stop you from enjoying the sin. Put that on Twitter. I guarantee you're going to get somebody to say something like It's true. Because when you got the Holy Spirit in you, he's going to be coming at you every time you mess up. And you know what I learned? Not only how to do breaks. Two summers later, me and one other friend, because I still needed a helper, rebuilt my engine. The jacket on the pistons broke and landed in my oil pan. It was like $500. To me, by then, it was like $5 million. So my helper said, come on, bring it over. So I came over with a jogging suit on. Come on, somebody. And a book called Chilton's. Come on, somebody. And me and my friend took us all summer, but I rebuilt that motor. And when I fired it up in October, black smoke came out. And that thing began to run, and I was ready to go. And to this day, I can work on anything that was made in the 90s. I'm really good at it. 
But I'm telling you, if we will let the helper not just, we expect him to do things for us. He wants to do things with us. The best way to get someone to stop their behavior and change their behavior is not just tell them what to do, but to do it with them. Do it with them. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes alongside of you and he helps us do this. Point number one, Lord, help me. God created our sexuality. That's one of the best points you've probably never written down ever. God created sex. He created your sexuality. Now, when I say sexuality, that is all things sex. Your feelings, your desires, what gets you going, what don't get you going. Everything in your identity, all of that is which your identity is actually the gender helps. Let me just say this. The gender helps identify your identity, but your identity actually is not in your sexuality. Your identity is in Christ. Your identity is in your faith, not your feelings. I don't have time to get into that. Come back next week. He created that. So they asked Jesus about sexuality. What about sexuality, God? And Jesus said, I'll tell you about it. Mark chapter 10, verse 6, he says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Look how God goes all the way back. Jesus went all the way back. He said, from the beginning, God made male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. I want you to see something in this scripture. The word joined. Everybody say joined. That joined is so much more powerful in the Greek than it is in English. When I say joined, you know, we think of joined, you know, together, whatever. But in the Greek, when Jesus said that word, it's a Greek word, poskaleo, something like that. And when he said that word, his audience recognized what he meant. That's more than just joined. That means a permanent joining together to stick firmly, a permanent. Let me tell you something about sex, sexuality. Our, God designed sex, those feelings that you feel. I, I, we need to talk more about this in the churches anyway. The way you feel, the way you get excited, all of that that goes in that world, God designed that. It wasn't like, oops, I want him to enjoy it. No, he, he has your makeup and your brains releasing the chemicals, the, all of that stuff. God's way of doing it. This is why, because it was instituted to bring his two most prized possession, male and female, in harmony together for life. Now, I'm just going to give you the model. This isn't how we live. This is the model. You got to know at least the model. God intended for one man to be married to one woman in one marriage for one lifetime under one God. Okay? That, that's... Not being preachy, I'm just showing you, the, if you ever put a puzzle together, you got to see the box, the picture. Because if you don't have the picture and I just give you a bunch of pieces, you ain't going to put it together. The picture that God designed from the beginning, Jesus just brought us all the way back, is for one man, for one woman, for a lifetime. Now, I know many are listening in here that have been married several times and had different things happen. Listen, I'm going to get to the good part in just a few minutes. I'll just give you a little bit so you'll hang on. It's not over. Jesus went and had his longest message ever to a woman who was married five times. And he loved her, and she ended up becoming one of the greatest evangelists that Samaria has ever seen. So God has a plan for you, even if you were divorced or whatever happened in your life. 
Okay, he's not a throwing away, but I got to give you the picture. I got to give you the, the word, what it says. But the joining together is, is a covenant. Everybody say covenant. We don't use that word in, in America, we use contracts. We do. But a covenant was much more serious. A covenant involves blood. That's why the, the, the circumcision, all of that in the Old Testament, God's the one that designed that. And he said, Abraham, this is going to be the sign forever for all of my people that are in covenant with me. I want your, your sons to be circumcised. That's the act done in the sex organ of a baby child, male child. We all know what that is. So a midwife or anyone months, weeks later for the rest of their life, if they were recognized, they would go, oh, this child is in covenant with Jehovah God. It was a mark in the flesh. I don't want to be weird, but look up biblical circumcision and how God designed it. Way before medical history was even caught up, God said, I want it done on the eighth day. Turns out the eighth day is the best day to circumcise an infant child because the blood is so thick it will clot and not run out. If you circumcise a child a day earlier, they can bleed to death. Isn't science wonderful? God told us that four or 5,000 years ago, way before there was a Beaumont. I love Beaumont. I'm just telling you. We think this Bible is so, God is so irrelevant. Are you kidding me? It's, it's so not anyway. But blood is involved in a covenant. That's why the first time intimacy with a male and a female blood is in it. Because it's saying to God, it's a covenant between the male and the female. Are you here? God designed it that way for a covenant. Because you, this sex is the only thing that can connect two people physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I wish they would have told me this. I wish somebody would know this a long time ago. This can help so many people. Physically, you're connected by the act, of course. I need to go there. Emotionally, you are connected emotionally by the intimacy. In fact, you can even have an intimate affair without being physical. Intimacy is involved and was meant to be a part of sexuality. How many know what I'm talking about? Whenever you give yourself away intimately, you give your heart, your love, your affection into somebody, you then begin to get connected. The Bible calls it a soul tie. I don't have time to get into soul ties. I've talked about it before. But a soul tie is powerful. That's why they ever say about your first and they have all these things that there is some truth in that. Because God designed it to be that way. A soul tie, it's like the best illustration would be like a drone. You can have a drone flying up in there. We got a drone to go over our building when we purchased it and we were redoing it and stuff. And that drone can fly so high. And you can look up and see that drone and you think it's all by itself. But that drone is actually connected to a remote control. Right? And that drone looks like it's doing fine. But really down, you may not even see the person. He could be all the way around the building. Josh was all the way over here on this side of the building. That drone was on Sumter Road. People driving going, wow, you know. And Josh is sitting back here controlling that drone. You can get a soul tie in your sexuality, be living your life thinking everybody's fine. Then you see a picture. You get a text. You hear a song. You smell polo cologne. It takes you right back to 19 at high school. How many know what I'm talking about? It's a soul tie. I'm thirsty. Tell your neighbor they look good today. You can have a soul tie. God instituted that way, and you can have soul ties. I had a soul tie to an entire city. E-course. I had to get up out of that city. 
I've talked about that before. Much like Jesus healing the blind man. The only man Jesus prayed for twice was a blind man. He had to take him out of the city. How do you see now? He goes, I see, but I see men as trees. Jesus had to do something he's never done in his ministry. He had to pray for that man again and said, don't go back into that city when you're done. There was a soul tie. There was something that was connected with that man. Anyway, it's a, it, it is very real. Sex is something that bonds you together on that level like nothing else can. It's designed by God. Are you still with me? So you're, you get connected physically by the act, emotionally by the intimacy, and then spiritually by the covenant. Whether you even know about a covenant, and people are you know, having sex today, they tell you, do anything you want to do with anyone. 67% of Americans, this was by John Brevere Ministries, stated that sex between unmarried couples is morally accepted. 67% of America said, man, it ain't no big deal to have sex if you, you, know, you like somebody or if you don't like somebody. I was reading, I'm not going to discourage you with statistics. We all know what's going on out here in our world with sexuality. And, um, but I'm here to tell you, no one told you of the damage that it does. It's not that God don't want you to have fun because the Bible says when you get married, my favorite scripture in Hebrews, the bed is undefiled. Some of y'all going to go look that scripture up. 1 Corinthians 7 says, when you married, your body don't belong to you and your wife's body don't belong to her. They belong to you. So you better get it on. I mean, that's, that's my version. Read that chapter. You all think it's something? Go to Song of Solomon. I don't got time to tell you about what Song of Solomon tells you. I know we got some young people still in the building, so I'm going to keep going. My point is this. God is his idea. It's his idea. But, man, when we do it outside of what God's created us to do, it causes problems. Second point, the enemy has perverted our sexuality. God created it. Satan has perverted it. The Bible teaches there is a fallen angel. He's the source of evil. His name is Lucifer, Satan. He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that accused the leadership to you. He's the one that accused your brother to you. He's the one that accused your wife to you. He is the accuser of the brethren. He will rob your joy because he'll get you to compare yourself. That's his job. He's got a million billion fallen angels called demons and evil spirits. They have one agenda, and that is to stop you from believing everything that I am saying today in this pulpit and to keep you from reading the number one best-selling book in human history, that is the Bible. I don't believe, I don't believe in that devil. I don't believe in that devil, pastor. He believes in you. Jesus said it like this, I got a plan to give you life and life more abundantly, even in the bedroom. But there is an enemy that come to steal he ain't done. Kill. And he ain't done. Destroy. Jesus said he come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I come to give you life. Use that free will. Choose me, and you're going to have a better life. I just summed up the whole Bible in 10 seconds. How about that? I'm on a roll. Hallelujah. What is sexual morality, Pastor Eddie? You've talked about it, but you haven't given us the, the uh, answer. I didn't put it on the screen. It's a Greek word. Pornaneia. Does that sound familiar? Okay, say it again. Pornaneia. That's the Greek word for sexual morality. It's where we obviously get pornography from. It means illicit sexual intercourse, adultery, fornication, lesbianism, homosexuality, intercourse with animals, bisexual, 
anyone, any sexual act outside of a covenant relationship between a male and a female. That's truth. That's the Bible. It's just telling you what it says. It's telling you that the light is green. You can stop. You can go. I'm just telling you the light's green. I'm telling you what the Bible says. You make your decision of what you're going to do with that. That's the word of God. But I need to tell you that Satan's ideal in creating sexual immorality is to destroy us and to destroy us from the inside out. And he can't do it with no better way than through sexuality. That's why he messes us all up. He confuses us. He hurts us through what we think is going to bring us joy and intimacy. It actually brings us more pain. It brings us more baggage, man. You deal, some of us are dealing with problems that we did and had things happen to us when we was a kid and you still live with why. Someone lied to you and you lied, I'm sure, when you were a kid, but that don't haunt you, but sexuality does. Why? Because it's in your soul and in your spirit. The other definition of the word joined means to stick firmly. I don't have time to really do this illustration. I love illustrations. I've done illustrations when I was a youth pastor. I talked a lot about sexuality and dating, but I used to take a piece of tape, and I used to get some guys to come up. I won't do it, but I get some guys to come up. I can get girls and do it the other way around, but this piece of tape simply represents your intimacy, your heart. It represents your love, your core of who you are. And the enemy has reduced it to a piece of tape, common, hasn't he? It's just like something you can do whatever you want. You can stick it anywhere you want. You can put it on anything you want. I mean, that, that's, that's what's on Instagram right now, if you look it up. It's just what it is. It just will, right? So what happens when you get, Tyler, you hairy man, stick your arm out the other way. I used to try to pick the hairiest teenagers, too. You know how hard it is when you're 14? Anyway, so... But I would say this is a female wanting to, you know, get with this handsome man. He's not my son-in-law right now in this illustration. You get involved in and I would put a duct tape all the way around that arm. I'll be nice. I am your father-in-law. Amen. <laughs> so that's being in a relationship that tears it off, right? And I would go on and on how you break up so easy today. You didn't like my post. I hate you. You know, so you break up. And you get in your 20s and 30s, and we still have problems with commitment, so we break off. And I can go right down the line and keep doing this. And what happens is two things. One, I take a little piece of them everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, that intimacy that we had goes with me. I'm with this guy now. He's the real deal. I'm wanting to get with him, but he wears the same cologne, and so I'm already turned down. I'm on guy number four, and we're trying to be intimate and have a good relationship, but he, ha he, likes, he laughs the way number two did. And it ends up putting me down into this little category to where I'm really not able to enjoy a new adventure with anyone the way God designed me. What happening? I'm sinning against my own self. Would you be mad at the guy that made the tape because it won't do its job? If you keep abusing the tape, here's the second thing it does. If I keep doing this, after a while, I'll lose the ability to be sticky. What did Jesus say? What's that word I had you repeat? Joined. This won't be good for nothing no more. And that's when the enemy backs off. That's when he backs off and he laughs at you. And he goes, look at you. Ha! 
and he starts to mock you. And then you gotta, you're not happy. You've got to go to something to make you feel good. You've got to go to something to numb that pain because now you're confused and you don't understand and you're hurt and you can't have a healthy relationship anywhere. It's like the woman at the well. She went at 12 noon because she didn't want to hear anybody preach to her or condemn her or judge her. So now she's living all by herself. And when you're living all by yourself, you can't nobody to help you change the brakes. You go around making car accidents after car accident after car accident because you don't have a helper with you. He's got you. But now I'm getting into some good news. Let the Holy Spirit just minister to you on that. Because we go over to my last point in that God can redeem our sexual brokenness. I had to give you the straight, blunt truth because you need to know it. I need to know it. I need to know what God says. I need to know it. If you've committed adultery, if you committed fornication, you could be a bisexual, whatever, all the way across the board in your sexuality. I sit down, I have conversations with people like that that are involved with that. It's not any, it's still another, it's a sin. Sin is a sin. They all put Christ on the cross. Watch this. Paul says this about redeeming our brokenness. At first it's going to sting, then I'm going to bring you to healing. It's just how the scripture does it. It's a two-edged sword. He says, don't you realize that those who practice wrong, wrong, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin, who worship idols, who commit adultery, or male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or homosexuality or thieves or drunkards or greedy people. Did you see how he threw that in there? Some of you are like, Pastor Eddie, that ain't me. That ain't me. That ain't me. Greedy people. Oh, yeah, you don't share those fries, do you? Why do you put greedy in there? I thought you were talking about sexual sin, Pastor Eddie. I got good tape. In fact, my tape is still in the package. What you talking about? That ain't me. I ain't in that group. What you talking about? No, 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 no. Every word is inspired by God. Come on, preach, preacher. Those who practice these things, church. Now, I'm a little greedy with my Doritos. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> Melinda says she's got to pray for me every Sunday because I kick back, watch Doritos and Celsa, and watch the Lions play. That's my thing. That's my Sabbath has started. So it's one thing if you, you know, you, I'm not talking about what you're struggling with, what you're getting. He's saying if you practice these things, these are a characteristic of you. If someone said, yeah, I know that person, he's a, what's he going to say about you? Then that's that. Someone who's not perfect, but they're in church and God's working on them, that's one thing. Another one, man, that dude's a lot. Don't you say anything to him. Don't you go around her. Or you want a one-night stand, you need to hit her up. You want to go out with this guy, hit him up. Those kind of behaviors. The Bible says even a child is known by their behaviors. So scripture's very point. Don't fool yourself. Now let me, let me get to the good news. The good news is this. I did just about everything on that list I just read to you. And yes, I'm your pastor. Male prostitute. Okay, I didn't go there, but I was just about everything else, okay? <laughs> I got to get a little humor in there. That's just how I roll. Some of y'all are like, <laughs> they told me to visit this church. I thought it was such a nice building. I had no idea. They have a coffee machine and the pastor is a what? 
Yeah. And some of y'all know me. Some of you online watching. I admit in the pulpit I was everything on this list and even worse. I've done things that it's not even on this list. I made up sin. I was an awesome sinner. If you didn't sin, you weren't with me. If you weren't happy in your sin, you either weren't with me or you ain't doing it right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I need to let you know that. Well, how in the world can you be a pastor? How in the world can you be preaching the Bible? How in the world can you be doing what you're doing? Oh, I got to tell you the next verse. I said I got to tell. Some of you don't even already know what I'm saying. There's more to the Bible than what I have been saying. Are you ready for the next verse? I want you to stand on your feet and listen to this next verse because this is where hope comes. This is where God says, I'm not done with you yet, but you may be broken. You may be all over the place. But Paul says, listen, if you act like that, you ain't going to be getting in the kingdom of God. But some of you were once like that, but you have been cleansed. You have been made holy. You were made right. He has some male prostitutes, y'all, in the Corinthian church assembly of God. He has some people that was way worse than not sharing Doritos. He had people up in there that was sleeping with everything and anything that moved. They were sexual all over the place. So don't tell me that God don't say there's hope. There is hope for every broken sinner on planet Earth. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've thought about. God don't either. But he's saying, but he's saying, listen, you got to come to me and let me heal your brokenness. Let me deliver your brokenness. You know how to overcome this? You know why they celebrated when they received that letter from the apostles? Two of the prophets began to speak up and they had a moving of the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you what will help you live the absolutes. We've talked about it before service, Dad and I. Rules, the Bible says that rules gives power to sin. That's why you don't want to do it until you're told you can't do it. The Bible says that law arouses sin and gives it strength. So I can sit up here and tell you, don't do that, don't do that, do that. I, everybody told me not to do it, and I was the worst sinner in the church. I was a pastor's kid, PK kids, and cop kids, they say are the worst. I'm telling you, I lived up to that because that's all I heard was the rules. So how do you get set? There is one law that is greater than the law of sin. It's the law of love. You know, gravity's pretty strong. Gravity works everywhere. But there was these two brothers called the Wright brothers that came up and found a law that was greater than the law of gravity. Y'all know what it is. It's called the law of lift. Let me tell you, there's a way to live by God's absolutes. This is the way, by the way, that I've lived 25 years next month, clean and sober and without being a male prostitute. I need to stop joking about that anyway. Because I discovered a law that is greater than the law of sin. It's the law of love. That's why Jesus, I'm going to sum it up right now. That's why Jesus, they said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? I don't know what's right. I don't know what's wrong. You got all these rules. I don't know how to be no Christian. Jesus said, there's only one thing you got to do. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Love God. And you'll fulfill the commandment. What about my brother? He said, love your brother. 
and you'll fulfill the commandment. Don't you notice you won't, if you love your neighbor, you won't steal from your neighbor? In fact, you'll even go get their garbage cans for them. But that other neighbor you don't like, you blow leaves in their lawn. I know, some of y'all. <laughs> Jesus said, I can get you, I can't tell you, don't do that, don't do this. No, no, if you just love that neighbor. It don't matter what color they are. It don't matter what sexual background they may have. If I can just get the church to love the unlovable, baby, they will get in there and they'll do life together with you. And by this, they'll be set free. They'll be set free. Hallelujah. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.